Hey everybody, my name is Elliot Waters and you're listening to the Disregulated Podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is the next in the Discharge Papers series. Now this one's going to be special because I haven't actually read these Discharge Papers yet. So I'm going to learn what on earth these doctors are talking about in real time just like you guys are. So this is very, very exciting and I will say at the end why I haven't read these yet. All right, let's get into it. Okay, see I've got... Literally got the papers with me, not even an electronic source. So let's see how we go. Uh, James Fletcher, Marta Mental Health Service, Discharge Referral. Jeez, we've had a few of these now, haven't we? Elliot Waters, that's me. Okay, diagnoses, primary diagnosis. This is interesting. Adjustment disorders. And I'll define what adjustment disorders is a little bit later on. All right, triage nurse notes. Let's have a look. Self-presents. For increased and constant motor tics over the last three to seven days. Yes. Patient reports increased anxiety with tics. Intermittent generalized body jolts with constant tics. Has previously had episodes like this. However, generally resolves on its own. Generally triggered by anxiety. Denies chest pain, fevers, cold-like symptoms. uh, Sorry, denies suicidal ideation. That's good. He is alert and orientated. And then what do we got there? My my oxygen levels were great. Heart rate was quite high. Well, reasonably high, 108 beats per minute. Okay. Uh, ADHD, OCD, BPD, generalized anxiety, autism. All right. Yeah, that's what I said to the nurse. And I remember saying, and there's more than that as well. Um, more triage nurse notes. 33-year-old male self-presented to the emergency department with mental health disorder increase in anxiety and tics. Deny suicidal ideation, voluntary presentation. Yes, voluntary presentation. All right, here we go. The doctors, what are they saying? Presenting problem. 33-year-old male presents with increased anxiety, tics, and new onset of suicidal ideation. Okay. Uh, Diagnosis of BPD, bipolar 2, generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, major depression, which isn't actually true. It's depressive episodes. Anyway, whatever, we kept going. ADHD, OCD, and autism. Presenting complaint. Two weeks history, increased anxiety and tics. Jeez, they like to rehash what what we've already said, don't they? Uh, Again, new onset of suicidal ideation slash ruminating. So while I was waiting to see a doctor, I must have really gone downhill. Uh, So uh, nil previous attempts. Um, of, of suicide, which is actually false. Anyway, not to worry. Previous inpatient admission to MARTA. Some stresses include presentation at a Black Dog Institute uh, seminar, which is not true. It was an Every Mind suicide prevention seminar. More on that later. Uh, works as a behavioral psychologist, which is not true. Uh, I am not a behavioral psychologist. I'm a research assistant who is, I'm sure, about to get a job as a community engagement officer with some amazing institute. Anyway, moving on. Strain perceived relationship with family. Ongoing chronic feelings of worthlessness and hopelessness. Denies current suicidal ideation. What's going on? Am I doing, am I, am I, is there ideation or not? I can't figure this out. Requesting for medication review, referral to Ismu. Remember Ismu, I've been there before for the six weeks. I'm sort of angling to try and get back there to do it again. Elliot reports his ideal situation. 
uh, would be to be discharging the community with ISMU referral admission down the line. Reports wanting daily psychology to, in inverted commas, let it all out. Yeah, I agree with that. Previous depressive episode last year, post-relationship breakdown with ex-partner. I've been in a relationship for a while and, I don't know, every single one of these discharge papers, it always, uh, not represents, it always says something about a past relationship breakdown. That's, That's very BPD, but it keeps coming up. Currently reports some anhedonia, might remember anhedonia is the loss of interest in things that used to be interested in, uh, reports some anhedonia with decreased engagement in running in the gym, yeah, big problem. However, reports likely more because he feels disorganized around it, Report. however, reports likely more because he feels disorganized, okay, I don't know what that means, well, what it probably means is because I'm a disorganized, chaotic mess, running in the gym is hard to sort of fit in when everything's, when there's so many moving parts, release it feels like it, that's the ADHD, everything is a priority, so many moving parts. Anyway, sleep has been stable, diet, which is terrible, stable, nil feelings of elevation or hypermania, which sucks, if only, uh, denies th- Denies thought insertion withdrawal broadcasting. Uh, this is schizophrenic psychosis sort of stuff they're checking here. Denies thought insertion withdrawal broadcasting denies delusional thoughts. Correct. Psychological history. <sighs> Borderline personality disorder, bipolar affective disorder type 2, generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder. High-functioning autism level one. Okay, yep. Psych medications. Clomipramine, 200 milligrams. That's wrong. That's 250 milligrams. See how they get these little things wrong? I I highly doubt I said the wrong things here because I know what I'm doing, you know? I've got a whole podcast dedicated to what I'm doing when it comes to this sort of stuff. But anyway, so clomipramine, 250 milligrams. Lamotrigine, 200 milligrams. Quetiapine, 100 milligrams. Pregabalin, 600 milligrams, modafinil, uh, 400 milligrams, propranolol, 40 milligrams. Social history, lives with parents still together. Oh, my parents are still together, yes. Uh, Nil partner, did they have to say that? That hurts. Anyway, nil partner, has a friend circle, I do. Thank you to all my friends who are listening right now. Has psychology degree. Yep, I do. Have I mentioned that before? I have an honours degree in psychology, just making sure. Um, Has psychology degree, not currently working. Well, I am working. I've got about four jobs. Um, Maybe it means not currently working using my psychology degree, but I am. I'm a research assistant at the university. Anyway, anyway, again, again, details here that aren't really spot on, but we, we press on. So not currently working, which is wrong. Mostly volunteer work. Well, there is a lot of volunteer work, but as I said, I am working. Um, alcohol reports, binges occasionally. Last two weeks ago, the, the last drinking was two weeks ago, and intend on abstaining, uh, moving into the future. Drugs, denies other drugs. Progress, all right, this is the better part. Let's see. Let's see what they've come up with here. Okay, Elliot was distressed and anxious, expressing thoughts of suicidal ideation. What's the go? Did I have this or not? I can't figure it out. Feeling unsafe at home, which is, I don't think, true. Requesting for admission. Um, has He has improved in his mental state overnight, 
Jeez, that's good. With reported improvement in mood and decrease in suicidal ideation. He reports ongoing chronic anxiousness and themes of hopelessness, low self-worth. Well, that's no surprise. He presents with good insight into his mental health diagnosis and is aware of pursuing psychotherapy options as well as possible review of medications. On discharge, he presents as right, okay, not left, I'm right, reactive, sociable amongst ward and staff, future-focused, yeah, very much so. Um, okay, notes on discharge, appearance, Caucasian male, yes, I didn't change, of stated age, behavior, cooperative, pleasant, but anxious, speech, fast rate of flow, however, redirectable and pauses appropriately. Normal tone and volume. Mood described as all right. <laughs> Affect, which remember is like emotions. Reactive. Um, where's the next page? This one. Uh, perception. Nil perceptual disturbances. Des- denies AVVH. Don't know what that is. Self-harm or something, I think. Thought form. Nil. Thought content. Themes of hopelessness. Themes of low worth. Denies suicidal ideation. Fair income. Uh, and denies uh, self-harm. Cognition oriented and good. Insight and judgment good. So in discussion with doctor. Um, adjustment disorder, which I'll explain in a minute. Expressing good insight into mental health diagnosis. Okay for discharge with low risks across the board. Future focus, reactive and bright. Elliot, uh, regarding plan to discharge or stay over the weekend to review medications and stabilize mental state. Uh, and then discharge. Agreeable to discharge today. That's right. I was there for two days. I wanted to get the hell out of there. So this was the plan upon discharge. So discharging home. Uh, acute care team referral has been completed. Follow up with his GP for referral to Ismu. No changes to medications. Not yet. If you have any acute concerns in the interim regarding your mental health or physical health, please present to the nearest emergency department. Um, uh, so there's a bit of, just a bit of extra stuff here, allergies, penicillin, discharge medication, we already know the medications I'm on, medication plan, no changes to medications during admission, changes to existing medications discussed with patient, yes, discharge medication list with action plan given to patient, yes, discharge and follow-up, notification, there is a current care plan available for this patient on request, that's to get the psychology stuff going, I already have a mental health care plan, which is good, advice to patient, and this is what everyone gets told, and I've probably said this on every episode, every discharge episode, but let's do it anyway, because it is good information, especially for the Australian listeners, the first 28 days following discharge from a mental health inpatient unit or hospital is recognised as a period of elevated risk and Uh, Sorry, service need and risk. Okay, 24-hour mental health line, mental health contact number, this is for New South Wales, is 1-800-011-511. Hospital emergency departments also provide mental health triage and access to services. In life-threatening situations, of course, Australians who are listening, we call 000 for immediate help. The mental health information for consumers and carers, me being a consumer, Webpage has been developed to provide consumers, families, friends and carers with resources and assistance to negotiate their way through mental health services within the Hunter New England region. Okay, okay, we're getting very very specific. Um, So that's about it. Okay, so that's what the discharge papers say. Let me say what was really going on. 
or at least from what I remember. Now, look, this is the big surprise. Ta-da! That discharge was yesterday. So yesterday and the day before, I was at the psychiatric ward up at the Mater Hospital in the public system. Now, the reason I presented to the emergency department to begin with was because my tics, haven't spoken that much about my tics, but my tics include, I don't know, some weird neck thing I do, blinking a lot, um, I don't know, scrunching up my nose, that sort of stuff. You know, sometimes I get this wrist movement going, don't know what that's about. But anyway, and these tics got really quite bad. So I was at work three days or two days ago, whatever it was. And remember, I work at, at in retail, so there's a lot of sort of talking to people and, and all that sort of stuff. So when I'm ticking, when I'm blinking and I'm doing this neck thing, it's very, very embarrassing. And and unfortunately, you know, most of the time there's a little bit of this going on. Usually people don't notice because it is only a little bit, which is good. But on this particular occasion, it was it was embarrassing. Like I just could not stop. I'm talking to customers and I'm doing my little... F- flicks and all this stuff and it was just so embarrassing and that had a bit of a bit of a um bit of a negative effect on my sort of mental health in that moment as well but the main reason I went to the emergency department was because I wanted something to calm these ticks down and yes secondary to that I I am wanting a medication review and probably a referral back to Ijmu I think is a good idea do it again another six weeks boom we're ready to go because these medications, look, I'm on seven medications. We went through them before. If I'm on that many medications, it's my expectation that I wouldn't be ending up in psych wards still, you know, or else I would say, why are we on seven medications? They're obviously not working and all the side effects that come with it as well, which is a big problem. So, but the primary reason I went to the ED was because I needed to calm these ticks down. You know, my whole head was shaking. I couldn't stop tapping my legs, my arms doing some weird thing. Like it was really bad, a really bad cluster. So they weren't sure what to do with me to begin with. They weren't sure if I was to see just a, you know, a, a normal, normal emergency doctor or if this was something that was mental health related. And I think... In the end, or, or it was, it was agreed upon that, you know, a lot of these ticks are stemming from one, anxiety, and two, I think, medication. So let's talk to a psychiatrist. Um, I can confirm at that moment there was no suicidal ideation, and I haven't had that for a little bit, which is great. So I don't know why, I don't know, I don't know why I kept coming up with it. Maybe I did. Maybe I was talking it up a bit to try and get some something to happen. Because that's the thing. In these situations, unfortunately, you've got to be the squeaky wheel. You, you really got to sort of put it on, well, not put it on, but you know, you got to be really open and honest or else you're not going to get anywhere. And I also have found that, you know, sometimes if you skew it more towards the negative, they'll listen a bit more. So maybe, you know, I don't quite remember that well how that initial conversation went, but maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but while I was in the waiting room waiting to see a doctor and they were trying to decide what to do with me, I did have 10 milligrams of Valium. Now, benzodiazepines, I've spoken about them before, they are dangerous, but they are good when it comes to ticks. They do slow the ticks down. And the Valium did slow the ticks down, and the anxiety that is present and has been present the last couple of weeks, uh, it died down a little bit, but not heaps. So once I got to the waiting room of mental health, which is in a separate building, they walk you down past emergency, and you walk through the doors, and then you sit down, and you've got to wait another couple of hours. It's really frustrating. Um, they gave me one milligram of lorazepam as well to try and calm down, again, the ticks still, the little sort of little ticks that were still going, and also my anxiety. Um, that did happen. 
And then when I went in and spoke to the psychiatrist, I made it very clear that I'm not happy with my medication regimen because I think words to the effect was that I'm on seven meds. I shouldn't be here talking to you. I think that was the main point I was trying to get across. So I sort of went from the tick stuff into sort of the medication stuff. And that's when I, I, I think with the help of Valium and Lorazepam, I probably opened up a bit more and said, you know, I've still got massive self-esteem problems. There's lots of work to do. I'm not seeing psychologists enough and I need more help and the medications aren't working. So it was decided that they would put me on the ward um, so they could sort of do a bit of a, a rehash of the medications. And the other reason was too, because I, I was very anxious um, I was, and about a lot of things. And I said that I was a bit concerned, which which is 100% true, that if I went home, I would just be in my room super anxious and it would just get worse and I may come back again. So it was decided, let's put Elliot on the ward, you know, we'll stabilize his mood, lower that anxiety a bit and um, keep an eye on those ticks. So that's what happened. I was in there for two days. I met some amazing people. Um, I will say this though, the ward was a complete waste of time. Now, I don't want to get up anyone individual. I think this is a government problem. New South Wales government needs to spend more money on these public mental health wards because it was a complete waste of time. There were no classes, no meditation stuff. So I've been on the ward in the public system before, a couple of years ago, and there were there were daily walks, there was a daily meeting, you know, meditation during in the morning and at night, you know, opportunity to talk to talk to nurses frequently. None of that happened here none of it and I remember saying to some people like what's the go when do we talk to people they're like what do you mean you don't talk to people I remember one guy's like you know I've been here for five days and they've done nothing so I'm just going to get out of here because he was voluntary just like me so he just got up and left um and I I don't know I don't want to be negative and stuff but it was it was a complete waste of time I didn't get my medication review um I didn't get any specific medication moving forward to help with the ticks, which was the main reason I was in there. Um, there were no services offered. It was it was a complete waste of time, and I was bored out of my brain. So what I did most of the time was sleep and talk to the other patients, and I learned a lot for, from them. If any of them are listening, hello, I love you all, and good luck with everything. Please, please try hard. We've got this team. We've got it. Um but that was the best part was that I could meet other people and hear their stories and compare and contrast. And, you know, that was really, really good. So the best sort of therapy that we all gained from it was talking to each other, which, which is a good thing, but it'd be nice to get the other sort of structured therapy as well. So they asked me if I wanted to stay over the weekend and then see one of their top psychiatrists on Monday to have a talk about what's going on. But I already know what they would say because I've been down this road before do you have a private psychiatrist of which I would say no? And then they would say, you need to get a private psychiatrist. So any psychiatrist listening in the Newcastle Hunter, Sydney region that have, has any room, please let me know. Um, but that's how sort of the system works, you know, and, and there's a lot of new treatments coming out and which I was talking about, uh, talking with some of the patients about as well, like ketamine infusions and, and magic mushrooms and stuff. And even TMS, which is where they put sort of magnets on your head and give you a little jolt, um, stuff like that, that's not offered in the public system. So you're at the mercy of these antidepressants that don't do anything or not for a lot. Like that's the thing. There are a lot of people in there on a lot of medications. And I'm sorry, if these meds actually, you know, were worth their salt, is that the right saying? If these meds, um, like, 
you know, did what they were meant to do, all, we wouldn't all be in there, you know, like we're all on meds and they're not doing the job, obviously. Anyway, so the, the best part, I, the, the best I got out of it was meeting some fellow patients, but yeah, there were no sort of services or classes or anything like that offered. It's a very sad place, especially the public system when you're on in psychiatric wards. You know, a lot of people literally just sit there and stare. People just sit there and stare. Other people will walk around and just keep walking, doing laps of the place because everyone is bored. Now, like I, I saw there was a book rack, so I looked at all the books. They were just garbage, garbage books, nothing to read. You know, the TV didn't work, so there was no TV. Literally, people just walked around or stayed in bed and slept or sat and just stared into the distance, you know, like probably ruminating about all their issues that they've got and the fact that they're not getting any help for them. It's a very sad, sad, depressing place. And to be honest, I can't see how you would get much benefit from it, from what I was told and what I received anyway. It just, I don't know, I felt more depressed being in there and that's why I got the hell out of there. I was not staying over the weekend if they weren't coming up with some changes in the meantime. There was no way. It was like treading water, but sort of slowly sinking. That's how it felt. It certainly didn't help my um, demeanor or mood, I don't think, at all. And a lot of other people explain the same thing. There was one guy there. He'd been there for like six weeks. Um, He had schizophrenia, and he was on one medication. They they had no idea when he was going to get discharged. No idea. He was scheduled, so he was brought in by, I think, the ambulance, because of an overdose attempt, so he he was scheduled, which means um, you know the, the the hospital by law has the right to keep him in there until they believe he's not a danger to himself or other people. But he was just depressed and just couldn't understand what was going on. And you know it, the medication had been given was from six weeks ago, and nothing else had happened in the meantime. I don't know. It was sad. It was depressing. And my goodness, if you can avoid going to the emergency department and then onto the psych wards, please, please do it. But at the same time, if you are worried about your own well-being or, and, or you're, you're thinking, you know, potentially about doing harm to other people, definitely, definitely go. Definitely. Because that's the bottom. Maybe the second bottom rung is being in the psych ward. But those sort of thoughts and actions, that's the bottom. So definitely, definitely go to the psych ward if those things are happening. Um, but other than that, I was very disappointed, very disappointed, which is, which, you know, I compare it to when I was at Maitland private hospital in the private system. So I spent a lot of money to get there. Um, you know, we had classes every day. We could see psychologists once a week. We saw psychiatrists every second day. Um, it was quite good, but again, you pay a lot of money. Now, Ishmu is, um, if you go back a few episodes, you'll hear some stories from Ishmu. That was a six-week stay I had there, and it was brilliant. And that was the public system. So I don't know what's going on, but Ijmu was brilliant. And I said to a lot of the people there, you know, have you heard of Ijmu? You know, have you heard of the ward over at James Fletcher Hospital? It's amazing, you know, which it is. And no one had heard of it. I can't remember how I come into sort of the the idea of going to Ijmu. I can't. I cannot remember. But it's like a little secret. I don't understand. But it's a great, great service. And so many people that I met. At the psych ward this time around, I reckon would have benefited, but no one had ever heard of it. So the, the doctors weren't offering it at all. So I don't know what's going on, but all I know is I'm lucky that I got there the first time. And if I get there a second time, which I hope I will, just to really look at these medications and, you know, I feel like I feel like this is it. I just need one more stay at Ishmu, tweak these medications a bit, and then I think we're away. I think this is it. I just need one more little tune-up 
and then we should be right. But anyway, fingers crossed. But I haven't got my referral there yet, but I will soon. But yeah, so that's my story in the public system on the psychiatric ward again. Um, how are my ticks going? Well, I'm still ticking as we speak, so not that good, which is no shock because you know no medications were changed. Um, how's my general mood? Feeling okay, but still quite anxious, which is normal for me. My normal, unfortunately, normal, don't like that word, but my base sort of mood is is a level, a degree of anxiety. And unfortunately, that's the same today. Um, and as I said, there were no changes made, so it was sort of a bit of a waste of time. But I went there originally for the motor tics, you know, and this is, it's got to be neurological. It's got to be. But again, there was no talk of getting a referral to a neurologist or anything like that, which was very frustrating. And, you know, these tics, I should talk about them more because motor tics are very, very common with ADHD, with autism as well. Very, very common. So um, I might do a little bit more around the tics in a future episode. So very quickly, though. So when I was a kid, I used to be diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome. Now, Tourette's does not just mean the swearing and everything. That's a very rare you know, manifestation of the disorder. But what Tourette's is, is the motor tics, but also um, making noises, well, making noises, audible sort of noises as well. So I used to do this weird noise thing and then I'd be kinking my neck and all this stuff when I was a kid. Um, so I had a diagnosis at that point of Tourette's syndrome. I don't know how we missed then getting diagnosis for ADHD and autism because all the signs were there. The tics were a big part of it. But anyway, whatever, that's in the past, it's fine. But my tics, my motor tics are, are really quite bad. But thank goodness I'm not doing any noises or anything like that. But even as I talk about it now, no joke, I'm getting the urge to make a noise. So I've really got to fight and put that down and focus on something else because we are not we are not going back into Tourette's zone. No way. There's enough stuff going on. I don't need any more disorders. All right. I think that is all for this episode. So a little bit negative, um, but at the same time, you know, we went there for reasons which weren't, you know, suicidality or even though it said that I did on some, okay, I don't know. But, you know, the good news is we went there for something that really was not mental health related in, in a direct sense. It was more thinking about side effects of medications or, or needing something to help these ticks, which didn't happen. But that's okay. We're back home. As I said, I learned a lot being there from the patients. You know, I just, I love hearing people's stories and, you know, it's for... For that, it was good. I was able to hear a lot of stories. So that was not a complete waste of time. That was actually, you know, it's an honor every time and a privilege every time I hear people's stories. And it was great to share some uh, with the fellow patients on the ward. All tough, tough people, tough people, but they need the system to give them a hand. I need the system to give me a hand. Anyway, all right. Well, that's it. Thank you for listening. If you want to contact me, and you certainly can, you can follow me on Instagram at elliot.t.waters. If you want to help out financially the podcast, which would be great because I'm poor as, uh, you can sign up to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Elliot Waters. Other than that, thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. And I'll see you here next time on the Disc Regulator Podcast.